Hope, the belief that what is desired will become true. A feeling that looks forward with confident expectation. A source of courage in times of trouble. Each week, Damon Parker delivers words of hope to the Hope Church of Christ in Abilene, Texas, and to your computer. May you be blessed by words of hope this week. Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet Him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can said Jesus. Everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, And came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. Last week, um, I talked about faithfulness, about the idea of allowing faithfulness to be our. New Year's resolution. Uh, Rather than looking at what we ought to change or the things that have to change or I wish I could do this better or I wish I'd do this a little more. Instead, look at the value of faithfulness. The value of one foot in front of another following after Jesus. But there's a problem with being faithful. There's a problem with having faith. And that problem is that it's easy to talk about and claim it and say we want it, but there are many days where our faith is weak, where it seems like we are losing our faith. For the next several weeks, I want to talk to you about a few specific things that tend to come up with us again and again and again as Christians, that tend to feel like it's robbing us of our faith. 
And tonight I want to talk about a very specific one. Now tonight, what I want to give you to begin with is not some kind of introduction. I want to give you, the only way I can describe this is a pastoral message. Um, Over the years um, of doing ministry, people have come to me with all sorts of problems and issues and things going on in their life. Uh, sometimes looking for advice, sometimes wanting just a listening ear, um, sometimes wondering what the Bible has to say about it, that sort of thing. But if there is one thing that has come up time and time again, and it's interesting because it comes up in so, from so many different directions. It comes up from, uh, I, I have this personal problem, and, and then it leads to this, what we're going to talk about tonight. Or, I, I'm having issues with my family, and it leads to this. Or, I'm just really struggling. And that issue is doubt. And for many people, they come and they say, I, man, I really feel like I'm doubting the Lord or doubting my faith or doubting the Bible or doubting the church. And I, man, I, I, I'm, I'm scared. I'm, I'm, I'm fearful. I, I feel like I'm, I'm losing my faith. And so tonight, I want to share with you a pastoral message about doubt. And let me tell you where I think it begins. While many people come and say, I'm afraid I'm losing my faith, I'm doubting a lot. I have rarely perceived that doubt has destroyed someone's faith. What I do find is that as people come confessing doubt, How they feel about themselves for doubting often destroys their walk with God. They feel so unfaithful for doubting. So lackluster. So small. Because I'm doubting God. I'm doubting my faith. I'm doubting the church. I'm doubting the... They are so overwhelmed, not by the doubt... but by the idea that they should never doubt. And so the moment a piece of doubt comes up, it's crushing. Because I shouldn't be thinking like this. I'm a follower of God. I'm a believer in Christ. God's done so much for me. Jesus has saved me. How dare I doubt? And so tonight, I want to reshape your idea about what it means to doubt. And I want to begin by reading some words you probably thought you'd never hear. This is from Harry Emerson Fosdick, one of the great preachers of all time. This is what he says about doubt. Jesus himself was a magnificent doubter. Wild ideas of a war-making Messiah who would overthrow Rome were prevalent in his time. That's what everybody thought. He doubted them. An eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. That's the true law, they said. He doubted it. He saw men trusting in long prayer and broad phylacteries, rigid Sabbath rules, dietary laws as essential to true religion. And he doubted them all. 
I want us to change our idea of what the word doubt means. Doubt is typically seen as negative, right? Um, I, I sh- should believe this, but I doubt it, and so, oh, I'm bad, I, I, unfaithful. And yet, doubt often changes the world. Um, you'd ask pretty much almost any person a thousand years ago, and they would have said that some people in this world are just meant to be slaves and others are meant to be in charge. Praise God that people came along who doubted that. Who said in the name of God, wait, 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 I, I think the way we typically believe and thought is not right. We doubt it. And it changed the world. Doubt is not in of itself a bad thing. To be skeptical. To want to know the truth. I gotta tell you, there are many days my children come and say things to me and I doubt it. And it's not because I'm a bad father, it's because I'm a good father. If you believe all that stuff, you're not in line with the truth. There is a place and time for doubt, for saying, I don't know that just this stuff that's being shouted out here is right. It needs to be doubted. But I want to encourage you with more than that. More than just thinking about the different definition of doubt. You see, great faith, which is what most of us want, has to be fought for. Great faith doesn't happen by accident. Like, I I kind of believe in Jesus and I just kind of, my faith gets bigger and it gets bigger and it gets bigger. Whoa, look at that. I've just got amazing great faith. No, Great faith comes through fire and trial and tribulation. And often that tribulation is a place of doubt. It's where we wonder, man, I am trying so hard here to be faithful, but there's so much on me and I just, is this worth it? Is, is God here with me? Is, am, am I doing the right thing? And out of that crucible, our faith over time becomes strong and hard. You read through the Psalms. The Psalms are full of doubt. Where is God? Why did this happen? If you're really in charge, how could you let this happen to us? They are doubting, but they are doubting in faith. They're saying, hey, we we don't see you. You say you're going to show up. Show up! You see, by doubting, we make a place, a place for faith. A place for miracles. Or maybe, think of it this way. If someone you know is an atheist, someone who really, really, really doesn't believe there is a God. Now, what we would often say is, we want that person to come to faith, right? We want them to come to belief in God. We want them to come to faith in Jesus. That's what we want for that atheist. But that's not really what we want. What we want them to do is lose their faith. We want them to doubt. Right? They're convinced there is no God. We want them to doubt that. Because in doubting, in questioning a little bit, then now there's an open door for something better. For the true and living God to come into their lives and make a difference. You see... Doubt often opens a crack into which God now can move and show us something better than what we believed before. There was a time in my life, I just shared this the other day with someone, 
but I'll share with you. There was a time in my life where I truly believe, I truly believe this, that Jesus had died and His death made it where anyone in the world could be forgiven of their sins. I, I truly believe that the worst of the worst, but I had done so much bad stuff it, that it couldn't cover me. I really had that belief in me. Like, I am, I have done so much bad things, and I've done it not as some person out there in the world like a heathen. That's, you know, that's what you used to call people. Yeah, like a heathen out there, but no, I, I was doing it while proclaiming the name of Christ. While saying I was a Christian, I did these horrible things. And so therefore, man, you know, Paul talks about I'm the worst of sinners. I'd be like, no, Paul, you're wrong. I've one-upped you. I'm the worst. And so I had this real belief inside my head, this true belief that I was so bad that the love of Christ could not cover me. Praise God, eventually I came to doubt that. God entered through... He created doubt in me that made me go, wait a minute, is there a chance that I'm wrong? Is there a possibility that I'm incorrect? That God's love is so big it can cover me? And through that doubting of what I thought to be the truth, I came to know God in a new and so much better way. And I praise God for it. Because it changed my life. Now, all this talk about doubt may make you a little uh, nervous. Because it may seem like what I'm saying is, oh, what we need to do is just open the floodgates of doubt. No, no. But God calls us to faith. And what faith really is, is doubting our doubts. That's what faith is. Faith isn't that we 100% know. Like, I know this table's here. I don't have any faith about it. I'm certain. I don't have any doubts. So I don't need faith about that table. But when it comes to God... I'll be honest, I do have doubts sometimes. That's why it's called faith. Because it ain't, you can't hold it up there and go, look, there it is, it's certain, 100%. I got it in a little bottle. Everybody can see it. Now we're all sure, right? Okay, you all see it? Now we're all agree. No, we don't see it. And because we don't see it, it's hard. It's hard to have faith. And so sometimes what we have is doubts. We have fears. We have uncertainties. And what God does is He enters into those places and says, okay, where you're uncertain, that's where I, your living God, am going to be faithful so that over time you will see and you will learn to doubt your doubts. To, to look at the things where you're unsure. I'm not sure if God's really doing this for me. And over time, God's faithfulness makes us doubt that moment. Now, I say all that, but a lot of it probably doesn't make sense. Now, there's a few of you in here that right now you're probably going, oh, because I'm in a place of doubt. I needed to hear that it's going to be okay. But those are just my words, my thoughts and time of pastoring people. But I want you to witness two doubters. Two doubters from the Bible tonight. I think there's two most famous doubters. Probably the most famous doubters of all time. Even though one of them, we don't even know his name. He's just called the man. But I want you to listen to these two doubters. And I want us to learn 
what faith is by looking at their doubt. The first is the man we just read about. This man has doubt because life has taught him to doubt. He has a son. A son who suffers. A son who suffers constantly. Now look, I know that many of us in this room have suffered. But I think most of us would agree there is no worse suffering than watching somebody you truly love suffer. Most of us would rather suffer ourselves. And so here you have a father whose son has suffered. He's been sick. He's demonized. Distraught. And no one can seem to help. Okay? This man, trust me, does not appear at this moment in the the life of Jesus. and, And he hasn't been like, he's had this for years, but I think today we'll go see if we can find somebody who can fix it. Oh, here comes Jesus. That's lucky. No, he's been looking for somebody to fix this for a long time. I'm sure that he's been to the rabbis, the priests. He probably went, even though he's a faithful Israelite Jew, he probably went over to some of those Roman doctors to see if they could do anything. Because when your boy is this distraught, when his life is this miserable, you seek whatever will help. He hasn't prayed to God about this. He's prayed to God a thousand times about this. And still the boy suffers. One of the things that life teaches us to do is doubt the goodness of God. It does. And this man has every right to doubt what has happened. Because nothing seems to be changing. Nothing is getting better. And if at that point you don't have some doubts, then personally I think you're insane. But let's not dismiss him as just a suffering doubter. I want you to look at his great acts of faith. First, he is not given Here he is dragging his debilitated son to these disciples. Now they're worthless. They do nothing for him. But he has not given up. He brings his son once again. He once again bears his soul to people. We're suffering. We're struggling. Can't you help us? And I bet because Peter was, you know, well, Peter was up on the mountain. But some of these disciples, you know how they were. I'm sure they went, we got you. We got powers. And they couldn't do anything about it. Think about what faith it takes to go to the 47th different doctor. To go and, oh, there's another traveling rabbi in town. I guess we'll go. And they go. And the boy is suffering and the disciples can do nothing about it. But then comes an even greater act of faith. Look at his words. I want you to read, listen to his words. Jesus says, if you can, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, 
The boy's father exclaimed, I do believe! Help me overcome my unbelief! I think no more honest, faithful words have ever been spoken. He says, this is exactly where I am. I do believe. I wouldn't be standing here with this boy again if I didn't believe. Can't you see that? I wouldn't drag him out here for him to be embarrassed by what happens to him. If I didn't believe there was at least a smidgen of a chance, I will do anything to save this boy. But I don't believe. Because no matter how much I've believed, it has not worked out. And Jesus heals him. What the man is saying is, yes, I have doubts. God, show me those doubts are wrong. Show me. Heal my boy. Take care of him. You see, nothing is stronger in a Christian than when we face our doubts head on. When we name them and we own them and we say, yes, this is where I'm struggling. Yes, this is where I doubt. Yes, this is where I'm unsure. But I'm standing before you, God, and admitting those doubts now. Show me. Teach me. Change me. Heal my boy. Heal my boy. It's a great act of faith. If he was just this horrible doubter, he'd have never shown up. He'd have given up years ago. But he hasn't given up. Even though so much in him has to doubt that anything at this point can change. He comes once again and puts his dignity on the line. And says, God, do something. And God does. What a moment. What a moment of faith on this man's part. If you don't have doubts, if you don't have any, if everything is settled and perfect in your life, you don't doubt what you do, how you treat people, if you don't doubt the ways that the church does things, if you don't doubt something about God, if you don't have any doubts, then I don't think you need God. Where I need God is for those places where I don't know what to do, where I'm unsure, where I'm not not convinced we're right, where I don't know. God, please come in and help. Help me be faithful by you being faithful. You see, we don't have faith instead of doubt. We have faith even though we doubt. That's what faith is. When you pray, unsure if Christ will really respond, that is an act of faith. When you come and worship, even though this week you feel let down by God, that's an act of faith. When you do the right thing, even though you really doubt you will ever see any benefit from it, that's an act of faith. When like the psalmist or Job, we cry out, Where are you, God? We are stepping out into the land of the faithful. And so like the Father, our unbelief and our belief, our doubt and our faith, they all march together within us. And God 
meets us, not just in the places we are faithful, He meets us in the places we doubt. That's what makes Him so faithful. God, now this may be news to some of you, doesn't need your 100% faith to do what He needs to do. He's not depending on you. In fact, the places where you doubt, I think God, that's where He likes to go, oh, you doubt that? Well, let me show you something. I'm going to show you faithfulness like you've never seen before. Not from you to me, from me to you. You see, the greatest act of faithfulness is not us following God. It's God continually seeking after us. Well, how about the other doubter? I mean, this man, at least he gets off the hook because we don't know his name. But we've even attached the word doubting. We've made it Thomas's first name. That's just really horrible. We don't even call him betraying Judas. But we do call him doubting Thomas. So what of Thomas? Ah, we make fun of him. We find him to be a little less than the other disciples because he demanded to see something to believe, right? I got to see it if I'm going to believe it. But let's remember a couple of things about Thomas. First of all, let's remember that all those other guys did get to see it. Right? It's not like they were all like, we believe, and Thomas is like, well, I don't. No, they were like, we saw it. They got to see it. Thomas wasn't there. I don't know. Maybe they'd send him out to buy bread. I don't know what. But he wasn't there. And so he really is at a disadvantage. They all got to see the resurrected Jesus. And then he walks in and they're like, hey, just a minute ago, Jesus was here. I mean, come on. That, that, how hard would it be to walk into that room, especially knowing those guys like you know them, and be like, oh, you say you saw Jesus? You mean the guy I just saw die two days ago, two and a half days ago? Oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds right. No, that would be so hard to be the one who wasn't there. But think about this. Not only was he not there so he didn't get to see Jesus. Listen to his doubts. Now, we think that his doubt is he doubts that Jesus is alive. Hear all of his doubts. Not just the doubts about Jesus being alive. Who wouldn't doubt that? If he was 100% convinced Jesus was still dead, he wouldn't have to ask for proof, right? I mean, if I walked in... I don't know if you've ever been to a funeral. But I've never been to a funeral. And then after the funeral, they put the casket in the ground and then later that week i've sat around wondering if that person was still alive never not once never i've never doubted death it's finality i've never i i don't think of what thomas is doing though he says i gotta see it he doesn't say i don't believe it He says, I got to see it. You see, his life with Jesus hasn't convinced him, his time he spent with Jesus, hasn't convinced him that Jesus is alive. It is not. 
He's not running around, hey, we know we just saw him crucified, but I'm sure he's going to write. No, none of them. His life with Jesus did not convince him that Jesus was alive. But his life with Jesus did not convince him that Jesus was for sure dead either. There is doubt in that, Thomas. And it's not just doubt that Jesus is alive. It's doubt that Jesus is dead. In other words, i got to see some proof this could actually happen. i got to see it. He doubts. But not just doubts that Jesus is alive. He doubts something that has never been doubted in the history of the world. He doubts death. I met this guy, Jesus. If anybody might be alive after all I just saw, it's him. I got to see it to believe it. Because all I've seen are dead people stay dead. But there's a chance I could touch him and he'll be alive. You see, that's faith. But it looks like doubt. I would walk in that room, just being honest. I would walk in that room where those disciples are sitting and they say, Thomas, Damon, we saw Jesus alive. Immediately, I know what I would do because this is who I I am as a human being. Oh my goodness, I'm hanging out with a bunch of liars and idiots. Thanks guys, it's been nice. I, I, I can't, my life has been destroyed in the past few days. Now you want to voice this idiocy on me. Right? I was trying to follow this man. We watched him be crucified. We, we walked out there where he was buried. And you want to pretend like he's alive for some big joke on me? No, thank you. I've had enough of this and I've certainly had enough of you. Goodbye. But that's not what Thomas does. His encounter with Jesus is so powerful that he says... Okay, I'm going to stick around and see if I can see it. Man, I wish I had doubt like that. I wish I had faith like that. You see, while Thomas may be mostly or even almost all the way convinced that no one could ever come back, that no one could ever be alive again, that no one could survive what Jesus has been through, while he might believe that with almost all that he is, there's at least a crack open that says maybe not. And into that crack rushes the resurrected Jesus. And Thomas has changed and the world has changed because of it. So here is my encouragement to you tonight. I'm not encouraging you like, just just go out and willy-nilly doubt everything. No! But here's my encouragement. Doubting is not the end of the world. It is not. Because what God is in the business of doing is the stuff that is almost impossible to believe. I mean, if it was easy to believe that people were resurrected and, you know, you can feed 5,000 people with a loaf of bread and um, that we're all loved and forgiven, if that was all easy, then wouldn't everybody believe it? Wouldn't we just be like, well, yeah, if people are resurrected. 
But it's hard to believe it. It's hard. The Christian walk is a walk of faith in spite of doubt. I don't take this next step with Jesus because I have 100% certainty. I take this next step of Jesus. Sometimes in confidence. Sometimes with trepidation. Sometimes with doubt. But always with the idea that I'm trusting the One who's holding my hand. I want you to listen to these words from C.S. Lewis as we close. This is what C.S. Lewis said late in his life. I think the trouble with me is lack of faith. Often when I pray, I wonder if I am posting letters to a non-existent address. Wait, this is a man who's been... The last years of his life arguing for God and saying, everyone. He still struggled with doubts. He still struggled. One of the most faithful things you can do for God, one of the most faithful ways you can follow Jesus is to keep struggling with your doubts. Don't, don't, now, don't reach that place where you're like, well, I just doubt, so I guess I'm done. No, no. I doubt, I, I, I fear, I, I, I wonder, I'm not sure. Okay. Were you willing to, with that doubt, with that uncertainty, with that fear, still take it before the Lord? I think one of the greatest prayers that people pray is, God, I'm not sure you're there, but I'm coming anyway. It's an act of faith. And it has transformed people. Now I want to reach that place. I do. I want to reach that place someday where I can stand before any person and be like, I am one there's never any doubts. I am But if I do that, I'll probably become the biggest jerk in the world. I would love to be as certain as I can possibly be every moment of every day for the rest of my life. But trouble is coming. It always does. People will get sick. People will die. And death will make me doubt. People will hurt me. People, good people, church people will hurt me. And it will make me doubt. I will read the Bible and not understand it. And it will make me doubt. And what Jesus asks of me is not to pretend I don't doubt but to say to Him, I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. I am sure. But there's moments where I'm not. Take my hand. I want to be faithful no matter what. Sometimes I feel like I can't be faithful at all. I need Your grace. Tonight I encourage you to doubt your doubts. To question your questions. And to allow God, allow God to speak into your life. Let Him be faithful. 
Let Him be faithful. Let Him be faithful. And even if you're not 100% sure, the one thing I feel like I know for certain is this. You may not be 100% sure about Him, but He's 100% sure about you. He has no doubts about His love for you. For more information about Hope Church of Christ, visit HopeChurchOfChrist.com. We trust you've been blessed by words of hope. Take this hope now and be a blessing to others. This podcast is copyright Hope Church of Christ 2012.